Welcome back to the movement, everybody. It's always a pleasure to have you. Today, we're lucky. We got two very special guests. One of my fellow kings, Amir, came all the way down from Toronto. God bless your soul. Thank you. If I have to drive more than 30 minutes, I need a visa. And I need, I got my brother here, Moses. Very good to have you guys <laughs> Thank on. You. Thank you, sir. How's that drive? The drive is, uh, I was just saying to Moses before we uh, started filming here, for whatever reason, I've done you know numerous trips to New York. That trip seems shorter than the drive to Ottawa, and I can't explain why. Ottawa really? just seems like I'm driving for days. <laughs> How's the pizza in New York? Uh, oh, I mean, anything you eat in New York City. Man, I, I love New York. Like, you can go into New York and on a budget, on a shoestring budget, and have an amazing time or go in and spend endlessly and have just as good a time yeah so, this is that. like a trip advisor I had oh, I, listen, <laughs> I, i'm lucky you know when i was about 24 years old um i moved to california and one of my best friends moved to new york city so we kind of split up to tackle east and west coast and nice. you know go run with the bulls and have some fun he never he never came back hmm. he's uh you know married two kids you know was a total new yorker so every time we'd go visit him we didn't do the touristy stuff like, all right, first time in, you go see Times Square, you go see some of the cool stuff. But every time after that, he just knew the city so well. So you got the perks of, you know, New York City. Like You, you got, got to see all the hot spots, the, the, the stuff that, you know, people coming in as a tourist would have no clue. There's a lot of underground restaurants. A lot of underground restaurants. I was about to say, you got you yourself on the walk down an alley. Yeah. And there would be like a piece of plywood, and then you open that plywood, and it takes you into some like high end steakhouse. It's like the Jeez. stuff they come up with is it's always those hilarious. holes in the walls, especially if yeah. when you go to Toronto. I remember one time I went to Toronto, and I was craving Indian food. Yeah, and then I was with some guys, and uh, anyways, they start taking me in the sketchy looking place, and I said, "Listen, guys, <laughs> if, if I'm being sent for, you're gonna have a problem, you know." <laughs> so they're like, "Don't worry, this place is fantastic." Okay, so we go behind this building. And I'm thinking the worst at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. You hear about Toronto stereotypes. I got my guards up. I'm almost like Leonidas from 300 ready to rock. <laughs> and the next thing you know, we get there. You walk down the stairs. I'm telling you, man, it was sketchy. And I come from the hood too, right? So I'm I'm used to like this environment. But I'm yeah. like, where's the restaurant, you yeah. know? <laughs> Open the door. Places run down. I'm telling you, though, the food would beat Gordon Ramsay. And I'm a big fan of Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like incredible. So I like those holes in the spots. Well, yeah. it, and that is that's that's New York City in a nutshell. And everyone's always trying to come up with some kooky, cool way to separate themselves from everybody else. So it's little tidbits like that. It's the word of mouth that kind of filters through New Yorkers. And what about halal guys? You always hear about them. I've never yeah. tried it. New York, amazing lineups for days. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. It's you see lineups till like 4 or 5 a.m. Yeah. Waiting to eat that. Wow, that guys. good? Yeah, man. And they got this special white sauce. We don't want to. <laughs> I don't know what they put in there. But white it's, guys, but you got to send us the recipe, yeah. man. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to get sent for in Toronto, you know? <laughs> I think <laughs> they might be coming to Canada. Is I think right? I heard that they might be coming to Canada. They're, they're coming to Toronto only. They're never okay, going to okay. come to Ottawa. Ottawa yeah. doesn't like us anymore. <laughs> you guys got all the good stuff in Toronto. We do. Toronto is, uh, you, you've heard, uh, you know, New York Minute. Then I, you know, I've heard Toronto's 15 seconds of a New York Minute. Um, it's much less than that. But Toronto, you can't, whether you like the city or you don't like the city, there's, a, you know, Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal, there's always that, yeah. uh, you know, rivalry. But Toronto's restaurant scene is pretty awesome. That's I mean, way better than here. That's for sure. Yeah. Where are you originally from? I'm originally, oh, well, descendant of Croatia. My parents are Croatian. 
Uh, yeah, we're just talking about that. You said Lebanese people and Croatians are very similar. They're very similar. Mm. So my fiance is Lebanese. There you um, go. So it was an easy fit, like an old glove that just put right on. A lot of similarities between families, you know, family's big. Very good. Everything is a celebration. The food you eat, the time you spend together. It's uh, very, very Size similar. Size of families cultures. too. Is it very large? My family's not so big. I mean, everyone's in Europe. So all my cousins are all scattered out in Europe, aunts, uncles. Um, I don't know my father's side of the family. Not, not uh, you know, there's a whole other conversation in that area. But For sure. my mom's side of the family live in a beautiful city called Rijeka, which is right on the Adriatic. It is, you know, everyone hears about Split, Dubrovnik, uh, Havar, you know, uh, down south. And that's the big touristy trend area. But Rijeka is just as beautiful without the hubbub without the chaos without uh they have nice bodies of water because i know croatia just robbed all the water from everybody adriatic <laughs> is stunning man like you stick your head in the water you can just see forever like Jeez. it's just absolutely beautiful so so you're I, a seafood kind of guy huh i love seafood absolutely I'm not absolutely. that question fresh seafood nothing beats it i mean seafood and a good steak that's One me. day i'll be on your level man i can't do seafood at all no, no i don't no. know what it is the texture the smell this smell doesn't. And we're Mediterraneans. Like, we should be like yeah. my whole family you, loves seafood. You should. It's, uh, it, yeah. For, to, to find a Mediterranean that doesn't like seafood is <laughs> a rarity. Buddy. I'm telling you. But I get it. You know, my girl, she doesn't like seafood, and it's the smell for her. See she's now, like, now smell, we can be very good friends. Yeah, she she can't stand it. So, uh, but for me, seafood, I could eat seafood all day, every day. I love it. So that's where your mom's side's from. My mom's side's from Rijeka. Yeah. And your father? My father's from uh, a small place called Pechigrad, which is in uh, Bosnia. And it's really nothing. <laughs> it's just mm. flat land. That's it. Broken down farms. Like, there's not a whole lot to it. My father was very, very poor uh, growing up in his village. It was predominantly Italian. So my dad's fluent in Italian. There you go. Uh, his, you know brothers and sisters he grew up with they were all pretty feral like it was all survival for them so you can imagine you know a communist country back in those days 40s and 50s uh were not easy to to navigate around so old man pretty much grew up on the streets same with his siblings so they didn't they weren't even really close either you know they all just scattered like the wind and Tried to make their way through life. My dad was fortunate enough to get on a boat and get over to, to Canada. Migrated to Quebec, uh, which for him, I guess, was, uh, you know, tough, obviously. You're leaving. Did everything. you show, did you come with him? Is that no, I was born here. Okay. I was born here in Toronto. He came here, uh, got married. I got two older half brothers. My dad's go. marriage lasted a year. Um, and then met, went back to Crow, met my mom. Brought her over and popped out me and my sister. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So four of you guys. Four of us, yeah. You're still in touch with the half-brothers? Uh, yeah. So the oldest one, Frank, we're very tight with. I love um, Yeah, Frank lived with us until he was about 13 years old, and then uh, he left. Uh, my, you know, dad was an abusive, abusive man. It was a rough, rough childhood. Really? So my brother one day just up and left and couldn't take it anymore. Couldn't take it anymore. You know, he was 13. I was, I was six and uh or seven and uh didn't see him for about eight years he just vanished for eight years yeah wow it was, it was tough man i looked up to my brother man, he man was, that's tough it was it was very hard what uh, about the other brother the other half brother? kevin lived with his mom and was kind of like a pokeroo popped in and out popped in and out so he never really established uh the relationship with him 
every year we see him like on holidays and birthdays and it's it's cool man it's it's just that kind of relationship it's 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 not awkward it's hey high five hug same his guy he's got a wonderful wife uh, two amazing children um you know he adopted her family she's greek huge family there you go. huge huge huge, huge my family. big fat greek wedding right there <laughs> yeah and, <laughs> yeah pretty much and for him you know he didn't have you know stability in in his life either so when he met uh sula and started dating it was her family her family tons of stability tons of love tons of support so there was just always that distance because he was just with her and doing their thing. But well, was that just a trigger from what was going on in the house? That's what it was, a hundred percent, right? So were your parents still together at that time, or even till now? No, my my parents separated when I was seventeen. Okay, over uh, Thanksgiving dinner, you know, you we're go, sitting down, me and my sister, and you know, mom puts the turkey on the table and says, "I want, the, I want a divorce." Like and, a Russian mob boss. Just yeah, comes pretty out much. Like that. I'm out, and then my sister and I look at each other and go. We keep eating. Like, Unbelievable. What, what <laughs> you know, a little, a little bit awkward. Old man pushes the chair back and leaves the room, and you know, just kind of walks away. He's a great talker, right? Eh? Because normally, yeah. you know, he he gets you laughing even in the in the worst. Of yeah, moments. right. Well, Jeez. you know, back in those days, you know, like many guys I grew up with, they all had the same kind of dad. You know, pardon the, the language, but you know, he was a, an asshole. Just a brutal, brutal man, and what sucks, very yeah. harsh. And as kids growing up, it was normal. It's all you knew. I didn't know any different. I'd go to other Croats' homes, and their dads were. The only difference was my dad was not a drinker. The other dads were. They get lit, and then they'd just go postal. You That's know, nuts. Like hitting and beating and throwing shit at you. And I remember walking through the door with one of my buddies and. His dad was making Turkish coffee over the stove and grabbed the whole thing off the stove as hot as it was and Whoa, whipped wow. it. Wow. Just put a hole through the wall between us, and you're just sitting there going, fuck. That's <laughs> nuts. But that was normal. I would have been more pissed off for the cleanup. Well, the mom was. You know, she she wasn't even phased that he nearly nailed us. It was <laughs> the mess he it. had to clean up. That's what pissed her off. Oh, that was a weird thing about all her moms. Uh, they were just Nazis when it came to they cleanliness, knew man. They, yeah. The footprints on the tiles. If my mom opened the no. front door and the sun hit the tiles and saw footprints, run. Did you yeah. guys have to do the indoor slippers too? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Yep. Eh? Yep. Slippers yeah. or socks, yeah. no bare foot. And it was Unbelievable. run. When my mom sure. saw footprints, Unbelievable. run. That's great. Croatians are like us. Oh, yeah. Man. Exactly. Exactly. My mom is a Nazi when it comes to there that. There you go. Yeah. So a lot of similarities between And they're the always just mop. They, that's always the line. I just mopped. Yeah, I didn't yeah. see no mop. No. <laughs> <laughs> my, my mom did like every weekend. It was like spring cleaning. Well, you know, yeah. what Westerners were called spring cleaning. Or yeah, you, yeah, know, yeah. you give it a good once a year. Cool. That was every Saturday. Uh, literally. Mom, you know, yeah. Croatian music blasting through the house and... Look, marriage was shit for her. Like my dad was a prick, and my mom worked uh, night shift, and so life wasn't all that happy for her. Cleaning was her happy. Place. There you go. Her she her music. She'd be mopping away, like you know, she yeah. like she had the world in the palm of her hand. Yeah, had, they get in a mode. She had control of that. That's what it was. Yeah. That was her world. Yeah. You know, um, where like, was she working? A company called Rubbermaid. It was a factory that, you know, rubber made plastic bins, uh, yeah. ice cube trays, all that stuff. Uh, she worked uh, 1130 in the morning to 730 in the morning for wow. seven years, man. Grinder. 
Oh, she was. So we'd get tucked into bed and mom went off to night shift. By the time we were getting up, getting ready for school, there she was getting breakfast, putting lunches together, getting all that stuff done. And off you went. That's insane. That's a typical immigrant story, man. Like, I, I don't know anyone I grew up with that had it any different. Oh, I do. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. She didn't go anywhere. Yeah. yeah well, most most of the, the people I grew up, all the moms were like that. They, they all. Yeah. Know. My parents were kind of like that as well. They kind of hustled and grind, like, in the beginning a lot. Yeah. They would do night shifts at, like, the Ottawa U University. My mom would do cleaning. And, and then eventually my dad took up, like, working as a taxi driver. He was a professor in university in uh, in, uh, in Lebanon before coming here. Yeah. But the degree didn't didn't count. So when they came, they were hustling like crazy. Yeah. And then she stayed at home. He found something more stable for the both of them. And then she's still working like twenty four seven, like cooking for my dad, to cooking for my my brother <laughs> randomly. Like she's. You always, know what's crazy about that too? They don't make them the same way. It's anymore. fun. Oh my god, Different. that's such a true statement. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what it's they thought because I was saying my wife is staying at my parents now because yeah. my mom is taking care of her because she just gave birth, right? Yeah. And my mother, like we feel bad for my mom and this is like a breeze for her. This is yeah. like a cakewalk. Yeah. What are you talking about? I raised four of you, yeah. 13 grandkids. You think he's going to make a dent on me? I'll put you all on my back. She's like four foot six. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And she, she ain't lying, could, man. She <laughs> can put me on my ass. Yeah. But the yeah. crazy part about the degrees yeah. Is even uh, some of my brother, well, both my brother in laws, they come from Lebanon. Yeah. They were born and raised there. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, because my sister was, I was what, 14 or 13 when, when she got married, my oldest sister, or my second oldest, when we were in high school doing math. And he was like, We talk about, we did this in like uh, grade six or whatever. Yeah. yeah they like they're just yeah. implementing this now. Yes. Everything that we were doing, even the sciences, obviously, English is not for them. Yeah. They were learning Arabic, which I find is a much harder language. Yep. But the crazy part was, is their education was a lot better than here. But it's funny because it's not internationally recognized and it's a regiment yeah. for them. Yeah. They don't yeah. play games. They don't fuck around. The teachers still beat them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, it's true. <laughs> like, yeah. My dad used to say it all the time. When we would bring homework from school, he'd look at it and go, this is grade four. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, dad, you dropped out in grade three. What do you mean? What do you know? <laughs> yeah, we had it true. pretty easy here. The, it is. The, yeah. the education here is system versus what you get in Europe and other parts of the world. It's it's a joke. How did you know? Well, let me ask you this. I'm very curious about because obviously you seem like you've had a lot of traumatic experiences through your childhood. Yep. What? How did that build into the character you are today? How did it contribute? Because a lot of people, they either take the negative. So if it was a very abusive home, yeah. turns out they're extremely abusive or it's, they're the complete opposite. A long path, you know, there's there's no short answer to that one. I mean, I was uh, a destructive teenager, you know, drugs, alcohol, partied often and hard drugs, you know. Um, and no one's judging you by the way. No, no, no. Hey, listen, man, I, I've made peace with, with my past and the all the things that I've done and uh, there's no shame on my end. I wear that as a badge of honor because it's made me who I am today and I'm very proud of the man I am today. Very good. Um, it took time to turn into something that I could be proud of. I, I always knew on a gut level the things my father did was wrong. You know, my mom, I don't have the memory of it, but, you know, my mom said I was like three years old or something where my dad was hitting her and I climbed up on a chair and screamed, leave my mom alone, you fucking asshole. You know, so at a, at a young age, there was this, uh, this, this need to protect mom. You know, but of course you're you're a little shit, right? Hundred percent. But 
uh, you just knew on an instinctive level, something's wrong with this. Like, it's just, it's not right. And my dad tried, like, he would put the shit in your head, you know, what women are and the man's role in the house. And he would have this line, you know, this is no joke, but this, you know, he would say somebody, some famous person or well-known person said this, I don't know the name. Uh, son, when you wake up in the morning, you slap her. If she don't, if you don't know, she knows. No fucking way. You know, shit like that, right? Mm, it's just geez. not all there. But what I used to think was, you know, as angry as I was at him, I also would have this conflict going on inside me. Like my dad was poor. He struggled. Like he had nothing. I don't know what it's like to go hungry. I don't know what it means to be cold and on the street. I don't have a clue, you know. But he, this was his life. I mean, he tried to escape a communist country. He was thrown in jail. He was in a in a in a camp, a refugee camp. I mean, that's hell on earth, man. And you know, you guys, uh, you know, history runs deep with this kind of stuff. So Westerners don't get this. They don't understand it. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of these men were broken early and developed, you know, almost kind of like schizophrenic characteristics, like they were Jekyll and Hyde's. You asked my father today about this shit. He goes, what are you talking about? I never hit you. Really? Yeah. I barely yelled at you. And you're like, uh, what do you, how do you I got a broken eye not, socket. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, socket. bleeding lips. Like he, man, this, we're not talking like belts and spanks on the bum. Like that was an easy day. Yeah. You know, like you'd walk by, he'd just grab you by the hair, lift you up and throw you. For no or, reason. For no reason. No like he was just way. pissed. He had a bad day. Wow. The worst one was, you know, we joked the sideburns. He would just grab you and lift you up from yeah, here. And no. Just, oh, man, it was absolutely horrible. Did you have a beard at that time? No. I'd be yeah. clean shaven like the mom. Right? I'd look yeah. like John Gotti. <laughs> Shaved head. Everything's bent. You know? Um, I'd look like Sam at a Bulgarvano at this point. Yeah. You know? But, it, you know, I just always knew in my gut, like, there's just this is just wrong. You know, I've got a mom I love and my mom was tough too, man. Like, but for some reason I don't, I can't explain it. We just, she got leeway because she didn't have anybody. Like all her family was in Europe. She had nobody. So she was what, 17 when my dad brought her over. He was 34 years old. My mom was leaving Europe thinking, oh, I just met my dad's charming as fuck. You know, like that's him. My dad's charming. He's, he, ballroom dances he's all he can speak multiple languages and hook line and sinker you know my mom fell for it and let's go to canada gonna give you the best life in canada the funny thing was my grandfather didn't buy it my grandfather saw through it all and told him i better get my daughter back the way i'm giving her to you Hmm. he knew he just knew that fucking sucks it did man and it was rough for mom man she had it bad like even pregnant with us he was beating her and no way oh yeah yeah my sister was born with complications and so uh but this was normal life this was what we were used to this is what we saw this was every household i grew up in um but yeah you know he tried to you know get you to see that this is how it is for this is what it is for a man this is a woman this is a man but it just never sat right and you know, good. It didn't sit right. No, it didn't. Like nothing about it. Like there, I got into a lot of fights, but I wasn't a violent kid. Like you know, I, it wasn't like I would go out and just want to hurt people. That was not in me. I, I would get into fights. Like I, I, you take a beating at home and you go to school the next day. And as a kid, you don't know how to properly deal with the emotions. Yeah, you know, none of it makes sense to you. So what happens? You go to school. I play a soccer game. 
uh, a play would happen and you get into an argument and boom, fists are just flying. You know, I'd fight anybody. I didn't care. Small, big, none of it mattered to me. I honestly didn't give a shit. You don't discriminate. No, not at all. Like I, (laughs) I'll, I'll fight anybody. That's the way it was. And a lot of it was just anger. Um, and then, yeah, as the teen years went on, got to a stage where I was about 20 years old and I realized like this can't be life. You know, I was, I'd applied to take a job as a janitor at a good life fitness. Um, my mom called me. She says, you know, I need to talk to you. I said, what's up? She goes, your sister's been crying all day. I said, over what? Uh, you know, you applied to be a janitor, like wipe sweat off machines for people. I said, what the fuck? It's a job. Yeah. You know, she's And so, you know, she's like, well, your sister's just been crying nonstop. Like, this can't be hit. This can't be him. This can't be his life. And that went, that's when it really kind of dawned on me. I got to make some changes here. This is, there's no life here in what I'm doing and where I'm going. And I don't want to be him. And just something in me, there was like this voice inside me that said, you're just meant for something bigger. There's something bigger. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I had no idea where to go, what to do. Um, and at this point you have no self-esteem. I hid all of that behind the drugs and the partying and the good times and the fights and all that shit. But I was a broken kid, man. You know, if my father wasn't beating me, it was, you're a loser, you're bum, you're dumb. There's no life for you, all that type of shit, you know? Um, but I did, I, I figured out, okay, what do we do here? So I went chapters. Bought a book called Awaken the Giant Within, Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. Only book I ever read from front to back at that age, wow. like up to that point. <laughs> Picked it up, didn't put it down until it was done. And that's where the the spark started. What and did you take away from that book? That uh, basically anything you want to do out of life, whatever it takes, whatever you need exists within you. It's just going through the layers to find it. You know, uh, the human spirit which exists in us all. And the human spirit is the most powerful force that exists on this planet. It's the thing that, you know, when you, you break your neck and the doctors tell you, you're never going to walk again, never going to be able to function again. But all of a sudden that person is running, jumping, and that's the human spirit. It's tapping into yeah. something that no one can explain or understand. Um, and that's, I committed to figuring that out or trying to find it still I'm 44 years old, still working through it. But uh, where I am today versus where I am at 20 years old, Jesus, man, night and day. Night I'm and day. still impressed that at 20 years old, you were able to find something that would resonate within you and be like, you know what? I found a catalyst that's going to make me change because I was a wild card until like 28. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, the pain of the way I was living was intolerable. It got to a point where the pain of going a new path was less than the pain of where I was living. And that's typically where change happens for people. It's one pain becomes more than the other. So the life I was living and the things I was doing wasn't painful enough yet to get me to change. But one day it became more painful. Was that, let me ask you this. I'm actually curious. Did you, were you having suicidal thoughts at any point in time of this? There was a period. Yeah. Yeah. Around, I'd say maybe 19, 20. Where I didn't necessarily think that I would do it, it was if the drugs took me in my sleep, so be it. If I didn't I wake up, mind. yeah, I, if I don't wake up, I don't wake up. That's cool. It was so dark and lonely. Um, you know, my parents split. 
And I decided to stay with my dad because I figured if I left, there'd be no relationship and a story done, you know, and one of my friends at that age had lost his father and it was devastating for him. And he would say like, dude, like try to work it out with your dad. You know, I lost mine, try to work it out. And I figured, ah, fuck, all right, you know, I'll try. And it just, it was just awful. You know, he was just an awful, awful man, just a bitter, angry man. And when he'd come home every day, the beating stopped. Like I was 14 years old when that stopped. All it took was me raising my fist to him when he came to raise his hand to give me a pop. I just stood up and went, fuck it, let's go. No way. Oh, yeah. I knew he would pummel yeah. me, man. My dad was a strong, strong man, like 40 years in construction. Come on. Mm. I, I, he would have just crushed fucking me. Fucking like sandpapers yeah. for fucking calluses. Fuck calluses. Oh, sandpaper yeah. at this point. No, he, he just he had these bear claws. He was a strong, strong yeah. man. But I figured, fuck it. I'll take a beating, but I'm not going down. And that was the last of it. Uh you know, that, in that moment, that's when I realized he's a coward. Okay, now I got you. It's women and children. Okay, I'm clear on it now. Because that was going to be one of my questions. Outside of the house, how was he? My father was a charmer. He, Everybody he, loved him. Eh? Yeah, my, mm. my dad was loved amongst all the other men. Um, but he was, you know, he was a textbook narcissist, uh, a liar, like, just the stories he would tell the women all knew like my mom's friends the dads were just everyone loved him he would mow neighbors lawns he would he was the guy that came to help you fix your car if you were by yourself on your driveway Fuck, those are the guys you gotta watch out for huh? that's yeah. that was him Jeez. man. that was my old man look he wouldn't take a dollar from you if you left your wallet he would never touch it you'd find your wallet with every dollar intact that was him mm. you know um but there was this ugly side to him yeah, yeah, I was going to ask you, actually, last time we spoke, Yeah, is why did you choose to stay with your dad and not your mom? I wanted those two reasons. The second reason didn't become clear to me till later in life. But the first reason was I wanted to establish a relationship with him. I figured if I leave, it's done, it's over, and I'll never see him again. And I wasn't sure if I could ever uh, forgive myself for it. The second reason I discovered later was I was afraid to have nothing. My dad made money. My mom did not. And that haunted me for the longest time after when I realized that I took a cowardly move. I stayed with my father for financial comfort, whereas my mom struggled. My sister, um, you know, I had to work multiple jobs to help my mom and stuff like that. But uh, I figured, like, I wanted to somehow salvage a relationship with him. And it wasn't the greatest. It got to a point where we were able to talk and tell jokes and laugh. And then it became, you know, you're 20, 21 years old, like you're out with girls and now it's, hey, son, eh, what are you up to kind of thing, you know? Fuck, I'll he, never know that feeling. Eh? Yeah. Well, <laughs> my dad would have a shotgun right to my face. <laughs> yeah. Don't play with other people's daughter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, you know, my old man, the big, you know, thing was uh, when I was 14, uh, his, his advice was, have sex with as many as you can. Don't let no. them know where you live. Don't get them pregnant. <laughs> and do you want oh a movie? God. Uh, no, Dad, I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm okay. That was him. Like, he was a Neanderthal. Like, an absolute yeah. Neanderthal. Jeez. Even having a daughter. You know, that, that was the thing that blew my mind. Mm -hmm. I got a six-year-old daughter myself right now. And to think. That, oh, yeah. that's nuts I'll fuck be it. honest what would you do your dad would no. shoot you if he... no my dad was very my dad's the type of very calm collected he lets me do whatever i want but of course like as soon as we start making mistakes and it's obvious he would get involved you know he'd get really involved my mom's the type of 
come here. I'm going to beat you I up. Love <laughs> it. You know, but and I, I can handle him. her pain, but like my, yeah, thankfully yeah. it wasn't my dad. Here, yeah. But my mom was the one. Yeah. I would have a shotgun my face. It would have been like, open your mouth. You're taking both shells. Go fuck yourself. You know, well, you know look, I got a six year old little girl, man. And that's I, crazy. Like, you know, I'm, I'm prepared. Let me just tell you, you know, like, yeah, I'm sure your mindset changes once you have a It's very daughter, different. Sure. You know, how like, is it like being a girl dad since I, got, I don't have a girl? I only have two boys. My daughter was born, two things happened. Unconditional love and love at first sight hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, when you grow up like I did, it was very hard to go through life with an open heart. Just, I, I never really fully let anybody in. You know, girlfriends will tell you I was always at arm's length. They could never get through. I never got dumped, you know, like it was always me that turned the page, hey, it's been a slice, but, you know, time to move on kind of thing, you know. Um, so I'm going to ask you for breakup plans at this yeah. point. Well, <laughs> look, you know, it, for, for much of these girls, I was the project, the broken guy, the guy with the, you know, it was a big project for a lot of these girls. That's, that was the draw and, and the bad boy, you know. <laughs> Um, None of them won it. Eh? <laughs> so <laughs> everybody failed. Everybody <laughs> failed. Man. Man. And them. There's a couple Tony guy Robbins. friends that are like my my heart and soul that were there through a lot. Like my best friend, you know, Mark. He, you know, I've known him since I was 17 years old. I love him like a brother. And then you know, there's my brother-in-law who came later in life. But I didn't let people in. And it's not that I didn't want to. It's not like I consciously said no. It just wouldn't happen. Mm. When my daughter was born, it happened instantly. No effort, no nothing. Like the moment I saw this kid, that was it. I, I was mush. She saw crying, bawling, like just madly in love with this little girl. And it was through her that I didn't discover till later that I learned how to open up more to people in life, you know, be a little more vulnerable, be a little more open to, uh, you know, deeper connections with people, but it happened through her. She was the catalyst to changing that for me. Um, and, uh, you know, it's an incredible feeling, huh? There's, there's no way to describe it. You know, bef when my ex at the time said, Hey, you're pregnant. I was elated. I was so happy. And then of course, like every man, you start going, Oh my God, Oh my God, I got to do this. I got to make sure that she's okay. I got to make sure the wife. So and you just start doing what men do, right? You, you um, but it's it, it, the, the before she was born, I kept trying to imagine what's this going to feel like? What's this going to feel like? I, I just couldn't. And like most guys, you don't connect to a baby in when the woman's pregnant. You just don't. Most guys don't. I didn't. You don't. I've rarely ever met a guy that lays there with the wife at night holding the belly going, Oh, like we're just one right now. Oh, those, you know, no, those no. soap opera dramas. Every time my wife watches and yeah. I find like those lovey-dovey scenes, yeah. I start laughing. Yeah. Like, it's such bullshit. It's bullshit. It's, it's not yeah. fucking I real. I wish right? I can fucking find one man. No. But you know what? Show me. Scientifically, they know that when you actually grow a lot of more estrogen when your wife is pregnant. Yeah. So you can become more lovey-dovey and more nurturing. Because yeah. I think naturally you need to be less barbaric and like more testosterone and you go back you go down to more estrogen levels like female it makes levels. sense it does but it but I, because there's something i know there's something called the transfer of power where if you're with a female obviously you have to become a little bit more softer mm. and she has to get a little bit more tougher because obviously men are built completely different yeah and you yeah. can't be a brute with a flower you know no right. no because right. let's be honest if i come complaining every other day you're gonna be like man 
Yeah. Why don't you just shut the fuck up and go do something about it, you know? Yeah. Right. You go to tell that to a female, oh, my God, get therapy. It, it, well, yeah. it, well then fuck. we need to talk. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm like, that was so Usually when they say we need to talk, it means I'm going to talk. You got to listen. Right? Yeah. That's typically. So you were is. thinking the logical path. Yeah, I got to make sure everything yeah. is ready for the family. I got to make, you know, stability. Yeah. There's stuff you got to do. And, you know, sitting with. Uh, well, how the, old were you at that time? though? I was I was a late bloomer. So I was what Kaya is now six years old and 44. So I was 38, 30, 38 I guess. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, you know, all my siblings had have kids already and, um, you know, buddies had already had their kids that were, you know, eight years old kind of thing. So, you know, going out to the lads going, hey, boys, you know, I don't feel anything. I'm not feeling any connection. I'm starting to get nervous. Like, is this me again being, you know, just so closed off and devoid of anything deeper and uh, the boys were all great, man. They were all funny. They're each guy, like each one of my buddies is a clown, you know, in their own way. 100%. And they're all alpha male guys, like not Neanderthal guys. They're just, they're strong male types, you know. I'm not telling you to don't make sure they don't have your address. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those guys. So yeah. I call, you know, my uh, my brother-in-law and said, you know, Rob, I'm not feeling anything. And oh, he goes, oh, mate. I didn't even like my kids till they turned one. <laughs> you know, my sister's like, well, that's true. Good. That's <laughs> you, know? So good. <laughs> you know, and the rest of the boys were the same. They're like, ah, it wasn't until they were born, buddy. And I'm like, well, what does that feel like? Well, that I can't tell you. That you're going to discover when you have your own. And each one of them are great dads. They So these, these core guys I, I'm close with all grew up fucked up. They all have their shit right and they're all amazing fathers like just so devoted to their kids and it's amazing to see what you know everybody went through but today they're just they're mush when it comes to their children that's great you know, because all, a lot i'm telling you a lot of guys i know yeah it's the pure opposite yep you know what i mean they yeah. come from a lot of because i came from like i was saying a bad neighborhood yeah and a lot of these guys have gone through a lot of the same things i was pretty lucky i won't lie to you i got an incredible family dynamic at home but a lot of them became extremely abusive, multiple baby moms, not even yeah, divorcees, yeah. you know. So it's yeah. incredible that they were able to do that. Something inside me, um, I, I've referred to it as kind of like God's whispers, you know. Like there was some voice inside me that had me, no, man, let's just, let's go this way. Don't do it. And through the, whatever you want to call it, there were many moments I could have got myself into some serious trouble where I could have been seriously hurt arrested all kinds of stuff but f for whatever reason it never happened so you're not a religious guy you're just a spiritual kind of guy. i'm heavily spiritual okay. at this stage in life i'm going to be honest i find myself m relating to christ uh, a whole lot all right like my family background is muslim but we're not practicing all right religion was not big in our home um you know my dad would take us to the mosque here and there but it was just not a, a thing you would go to the mosque. For me personally, it was difficult that my mom would be sent to a separate room with my sister. And I didn't understand, like, what's this all about? I didn't like the idea that my mom was beneath my father, considering who my father was. Yeah, I guess he, that must have played a big role for that, too. It yeah. certainly did. Uh. So I never bought into it. Um, but when I, you know, not spiritual or much as a teenager, just, you know, like every other teenager with some added extra layers of bullshit <laughs> um but yeah getting to 1920 there was just this voice that was just like listen man there's something better there's something better just come with me come with me 
And I did. And I just started to peel away layers of becoming something different and better. And I sat and started to look at, okay, what is it that's deterring me from chasing more in life? Well, I'm a defeated young man. I have no self-esteem. I don't believe in myself. Being around people I don't know gives me heavy anxiety, uh, all that stuff, right? And so I started to throw myself in things to challenge it all, to start facing it all head on. So one of the first things I did, I went back to school, um, you know, finished. It was like a two-year program I did in a year. Got myself. What did you take? Uh, web design and e-commerce, right? So this was before Google. Uh, websites were only starting to kind of build. and So uh, you were a pioneer. Uh, I was <laughs> always, honestly, I'll, if we have time for it, several businesses ahead of my time. I have right. all the time in the world. <laughs> so <laughs> so the, one was a Neanderthal, then you became the pioneer. Pretty much. Was. And my dad was afraid of his own shadow when it came to taking risks in life. And I didn't want to live like that. I, I was... I. I couldn't stand, you know, we had a few family friends that were minted, like millionaires, but they were the same as my father at one point, very poor. And all of them had opportunity to buy land. And his buddies did, and my dad didn't. He held his pennies. Fuck, you missed he, the golden goose. He missed the golden goose, and they did it, and they turned into developers like Ashley Oak, huge developer in Mississauga. Uh, and guys like that just fucking rich. Yeah. All right. And when is it like the 70s, 80s? It was about the 70s when they were buying Fuck, up the land. You hear these story with these big developers? A lot know. of them is a very similar. Their fathers bought fucking acres, bundles of lands. You know what I mean? For nothing. It was nothing. Cheap as fucking chips. I wonder if we'll think the same way now in the next 30, 40 years. Be like, I wish. That's a good point. You no, know, like, does it ever not, does it ever stop? Mm. Or is it always a good time? You know, yeah, it's a very good you know, question, well, man. You know, mm. looking at my life, I've been a, a riverboat gambler my entire adult life. I've rolled the dice on everything. I've never, I have not taken a normal path to where I am. Everything has been off a beaten path. So one thing my daughter will never be able to look back and say like, ah, oh, my dad didn't take risk. Well, that's all I ever did was yeah. take risk. Your whole life is a risk at this that's point. That's all it eh? was. And yeah. so, you know, finished school, got a good job in the evenings, worked with my sister to build a web design business, a web design, web design business. That started to flourish, left my day job, did this during the day. And uh, then I realized, um, you know, I'm what, 22, 23 years old, working stupid hours. I was competing back in soccer to get off the drugs and the alcohol. I got myself back into competing, put myself into martial arts. Uh, so I was like a really good functioning person, like starting to really take in life uh, from a whole different level. And then it just hit me. Nah, I'm not ready to be this serious. So really pulled my sister into a sit down and said, how do you feel about me just leaving? And she goes, well, what do you mean leaving? I go, I'm just going to leave. Like I'm going to go to California and I'm going to go be a beach bum. And I'm going to just try to figure out life uh, outside of here. Something different. I love that. That's cool. And she goes, life on Venice beach. Yeah. Oh, buddy. My sister has always been an amazing support in my life. And at no point did she think about herself or what was going on. She just looked at me. She goes, go do it. Go do what you got to do. Mm. You know, I love you, support you, whatever you need to chase, go chase it. And I did, you know, my buddy, <laughs> good buddy, Mark, he was working for his dad at the time. And Mark, Mark lived in Oakville, you know, rich kid. I was not a rich kid. People could never understand the dynamic. Like, Amir, you grew up fucked up and 
you know, parents struggle. He grew up rich. Like, how are you guys so tight? I'm like, well, pain is pain, man. doesn't matter that he had money. Mark had his own pain. His father was never around. Mother became an alcoholic and he was, you know, scraping his mother off the floor, taking her to bed while dad was out doing his thing. No, it's a struggle it's in itself. A, it's yeah. a struggle in itself. Yeah, it was yeah. hard for him, man. And so what did Mark do? You know, tip, he was an Irish kid, Irish French, you know, two nutters put together, yeah, right? So two bad tempers. Two bad tempers. <laughs> what so a, what, what, a strong you, what would he do? Mark would just get into fights. That was his thing. Just go smash whiskey and get into a fight. So we related in many, many different ways and through each other, found a lot of comfort in our friendship, you know? And so anyways, he was working for his dad. You guys are Jack Daniel kind of guys, eh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bottom, bottomless Fuck. fucking pits, Jack Daniels. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, as soon as you started saying that, I'm like, JD is just everywhere. For point. sure. <laughs> oh, I can still taste it. I can still taste it. You know? And uh, I told him, I said, I'm, I'm Mark, I'm out of here, man. I, fuck it. I, I got to break free from here. I got to go. I got to see what else is out there. And he goes, oh, I'm in. Wow. Like, what do you mean? No he way. Goes, I'm in. I'm like, dude, you like you're working for your dad, you're making a mint. He's like early twenties and six figures. Wow. And uh he's like, I don't give a shit. I don't want to do this. So that's what we did. We packed the car. We had no plan, no place, just money we'd saved. That was it. Hopped in his Honda Accord. <laughs> Yeah. Drove to see his buddy in Florida who was in dental school at the time in Fort Lauderdale, uh, Lauderdale. Stayed there for two weeks. And then we drove across the south, stopping in every city along the way, having the time of our lives. Got into California, lived in Hermosa Beach for about six months, man. That's all I did was surf, surf, boogie board. How was that? Oh, it's amazing. Tons of fun? It was liberating. Liberating, not a care in the world. Nothing. You must have struggled at first because it's not easy to surf there. I no, know for a fact. <laughs> so I'll tell you. Have you started. tried it? Yeah, yeah. Did I surfed you? around most of, like a lot of places in the world. Fuck, you guys are nuts. You guys are swimmers. <laughs> I'm more of a land and air kind of guy. Leave me away from the sea. <laughs> what I learned was getting up on the board wasn't the toughest part. It was paddling out right. to the waves. That's the hard part. Oh, this Big is a time. conversation you guys are well versed <laughs> in. Yeah. That was the hardest part. Yeah. And I remember first trying to learn like the water's choppy, the break, right? So yeah. light a whitewash, you know, and uh, you know, you're trying to take this floating device to paddle out past the whitewash that's just pummeling on top of you, right? Because yeah, the waves don't stop. They keep they, coming. They, they just push keep you back. coming. They push you and back. You know, I'd wonder, like I'd heard stories about people like pretty much drowning in like five feet of water. And I think, how the fuck are you drowning in five feet of water? It's, <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, I get it. You paddle yourself to exhaustion. And then all of a sudden, you just like the will to live disappears. Fuck, yeah. And they sink. That's crazy. So I was struggling. And some dude, a like, really cool guy on the beach came over. He goes, hey, man, I've been watching you struggle for a little bit. He goes, grab a boogie board. Learn on the boogie board first. Get the What's mechanics. A boogie, boogie board is like half the Smaller. side of, of a oh, surfboard. It's like size of your chest. Yeah. You oh, ride it with your chest. You don't okay. stand on it. Okay. You catch a wave basically with it on your chest. Okay. And he goes, try that first. Mechanics are somewhat similar. You'll get comfortable with it. Then switch back to a surfboard. And that did it for me. Hmm. Um, you guys are nuts, man. Well, <laughs> it, it was it was a good time, man. I want. I only went tubing once. I had diarrhea for a week. I think I, got my, <laughs> I think fucking my colon's got cleansed. <laughs> yes, holy fuck! The second time they yeah. told me to come fishing, I gave them two middle fingers. Later. And I said I like the ground. Yeah. You know, come on by. I'm like fuck that. Jaws comes, bro. <laughs> fuck you. you know? yeah. Leave no, me it, alone, bro. Yeah. It, it was a wild experience. I was having the time of my life, and you know, my mom. 
I was coming back from the beach in the morning and uh, I was going to come back, shower up, and then I would spend the day like hiking, walking, rollerblading, just constant activity. Just living so, all your life, Just eh? living all my life, man. Like every night we were smashing, you know, Jack Daniels yeah, and Coronas. <laughs> like, no, we, we, the whole day you were at the beach. Watch and at night, that Corona word now, dude. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> full other conversation <laughs> so you would the buckets of coronas would be like six bucks for a bucket of six and the shots were like two dollars so when you're it's living on like a, how freaking cheap it the is the u.s drown yourself don't worry yeah. it's cheap as chips uh, hit the board so we would drop like 50 bucks and be absolutely wankered you wow, know leaving like nuts. howling at the moon <laughs> going oh, back fun. to our place <laughs> it was all these little tiki bars you know loads of fun packed with honeys like just the vibe was just unbelievable were you ever wearing those freaking floral like aloha no 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 no. the bar we hung out at had a lot of it was like sharkies was the name of the place i've been back a few times to go see the place again because just a lot of wild nights man uh but it was such a cool vibe this place hermosa they don't care about celebrities so you would see a lot of celebrities there Uh, Quentin Tarantino was a few feet away from me, like going at it with some chick, like violently going at it. Like, they were like trying to choke <laughs> each other with their tongues. It was wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'd see a lot of these people and nobody cared. But if you were a pro surfer, pro beach volleyball player, they would chase you around everywhere. Really? So, yeah, it was, it was different. Um, so yeah, we did that. And, you know, I'm on my way home from the beach one morning, finished surfing and mom calls and, you know, the old flip loan, flip, hey mom. When are you coming home? <laughs> my, I went you for have a, to do the accent. Yeah, you got to eh? do the accent. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, my, this morning, I went for uh, an hour run watching the sunrise. I just finished surfing for the last two hours. I'm going to go home, take a shower, and then I'm going to spend the rest of the day on the beach. Ma, I'm not coming home. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not going I'm not back coming to the concrete back. jungle. Yeah. yeah, I'm not coming back. So six months there, and now you're six months. You're out of money. Um, you know, they'll come find you like six months in one day to get out, okay? And when you've got all the bills under your name, there's no hiding. Uh, so I looked at Mark and I said, uh, what do you want to do? He goes, ah, he goes ah, I think I'm going home. I'm out of money. <laughs> I go, yeah. well, I'm going to Vancouver. He goes, well, you have no money. I go, fuck, I'll figure it out. I don't know, no big deal. You know? Just a fucking nomad. Eh? Just a nomad. I loved it. That was that was beautiful. Me. So I called, uh, we hopped in the car, we drove up the Pacific Coast Highway and did that drive all the way into BC. And along the way, again, no plan, called my brother, hey, Frank, do we know anyone in BC? He goes, oh, yeah, man, Aaron lives in, in Vancouver. So oh, I know Aaron, great guy, called him up. He's like, yo, <laughs> go, Aaron, what are you doing? He's like, on the couch. Go, I'm on my way to Vancouver, need a place to crash. He goes, Oh, fuck, homie, I need a roommate. <laughs> no way, it worked out great. It worked huh? out perfectly. I need a so coach. Lived there for over a year and, again, just time of my life. And How is the vibe there comparing to Toronto? Uh, I mean, I'm like a stop sign. I haven't left Ottawa, really. Vancouver mm-hmm. is, like, very clicky, like Yogi Snooty. Not only you know, like, rich yogis that yeah. are, like, they talk about Zen, but... Don't talk to me. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's, that. that's, that's the vibe. That's it's a very vibe. clicky. It was hard to uh, mix and mingle with strangers. Was right? that the time when real estate was already at insane pricing? Or is this one? No, no. Out? Like, it, it, rent was pretty pretty cheap there. I mean, Vancouver was expensive. But look, I was mid-20s. I wasn't buying anything. So I can tell you the cost of a condo or a house out that way. Um, I worked in a bar. 
And then I worked in uh, the, the film industry. So I was auditioning, did commercials. You're a fucking jock of all trades. Yeah, oh, yeah. Dude, I, <laughs> I tell you, like, I, I've, I've seen Were you a drywaller too at some point? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> right. Uh, I'd, so, you know, in California, I met a couple that were in the music or the film industry. He was a model. She was an actress. And they, in the industry, were well known. Like, people knew who okay. they were. Was she going out on the beach with Quentin Tarantino? <laughs> no, no, no. She's not that famous. No, no. Matt, her husband, was half Jamaican, half Thai, and just fucking That's chiseled. A mix. Like, just fucking dreamy looking guy. Wow. You know, a good look. And he was very Christian, okay? Church regularly, didn't swear, didn't drink. And which is strange to be in the industry he was in, you know, yeah. but Matt was like such a humble, humble man that he had no idea. Like women were like drooling. Wow. I was the ugly guy next to him. You know, <laughs> I like to think I'm a decent looking guy, but they would look at you like you were a troll. And then him, it was like drool. Fact, this is like dripping. the story of Joseph. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but he would have no idea. Like ah. he'd never in his mind ever like wow chicks are checking me not him he was a family man loved his wife loved his children nice. beautiful beautiful man joanna was the firecracker filipina you know swore like a drunken sailor you know they were just like a perfect couple but when i told her i was going to vancouver she goes you should get in the business and i'm like i don't want to even get in the business she's like no man she's like, she's like you're a good looking guy like we'll get some headshots i'll do it because she was a model she knew how to work the camera she's like i've worked with like some of the top photographers so she took my headshots. I got into Vancouver, started stuffing envelopes, sent it out to like 13 agencies, and like seven got back to me. No, nice. And I went taker, and right? interviewed. They made me audition in the interviews, and like half of them were like, yeah, let's do it. Cool. How was the auditions, by the way? Is it kind of like what you see in the movies? Fucking awkward. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's so awkward. You walk into a room, there's like a handful of people behind a camera, and you know, you get up in front of it, and it's like, okay, go. And it's just, it's, that's it it's just weird so I'd be like a professional shit talker i'll tell you that buddy, like for, for me it, it wasn't as nerve-wracking because i didn't care like i i didn't want a life in the business i wasn't looking to be a yeah, famous fuck you. just came back from boogie boarding and buddy, shit like that's that. what it was i'll tell you i landed my first big gig it was on a, a armed forces commercial canadian armed forces commercial okay and <laughs> i left the bar at six in the morning hammered the audition was at nine all right i went home showered <laughs> to try to get a little life in me went to the audition i thought it was a bust the manager <laughs> that worked the bar she was texting going you know ha ha how was that i'm like I don't how know. bad was it be honest a couple of days later i get a call he's like buddy you booked it i go you're a final fantasy fan you knew that song? Holy smokes. <laughs> I love Final Fantasy. Amazing. That's incredible. I mean, I'll catch anything, bro. I'm like a fucking hound, bro. You know? <laughs> Holy shit. That's so amazing. yeah, agent calls me. He goes, buddy, you booked it. I go, get the fuck out of here. He's like, you booked it. Called the manager at the bar. I know I'm like, you won't believe this. I booked that gig. She's like, come on. I'm like, yeah. So all expenses paid. They flew me out to Vancouver Island. Nice. Three days there. Did the bit, dog and pony, you know, show and all that How stuff. How was that though? You're doing is, it. was Were you suited up and, and full out gear yeah, and everything? all of it. It was loads of fun. How heavy was that? It was, uh, it was good. Yeah, it was good, man. It well, was, I guess all the boogie boarding and shit, you know, I just started going back to the gym, you know, I yeah. would have been gassed out. I was yeah. always, I, no, I was a fit guy, man. Like I was training You heavy. still look incredible. Oh man. yeah, I, I work out. I, you know, do all the right things. But again, this was all part of a transformation over the last year. But, you know, when I 
stopped at 20 i got back into training like soccer and muay thai i've been doing muay thai for like 20 years now and um so it's very fit through my 20s and very very fit um but yeah it's loads of fun man it was a cool experience i spent five days on a film set with al pacino Get the yeah, fuck out. Yeah. Don't That's play amazing. games. Like, no, no. True you know story. That, the, that movie Irishman? Yeah. That gold ring they give uh, um, Robert De Niro? Yeah. I'm still trying to get that made right now. Are you? Oh, I'm a huge <laughs> fucking fan. As soon as that movie came out, I went nuts. It was oh, wild. Man. So the movie is called 88 Minutes. I booked that one as well. And so we were at the University of British Columbia. You were in an auditorium and he was a professor. That was the thing. And they were trying to catch a killer. And anyways... Super cool guy, uh, had some weird corks, but you know when they talk about presence, right? Like you, it, they have presence, like star factor, presence. Yeah. Never knew what the fuck that meant, but whatever. When he walked into the room, you just felt the air in the room change. Wow. Presence. Right away, it you was, need you just people knew. like me. Yeah. I didn't even know, like I didn't see him walk in. I was talking to someone, something just felt different in the air. And then you turn around, you're like, Scarface wow. is Al Pacino. Holy shit. That's insane. He doesn't look you in the eye when he talks to you. No, this really? is a weird thing where he's talking to you and he's like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I asked someone on the set, like, what is this all about? He's like, yeah, they, some of them have this thing where they don't look at you because it gives you the idea that they want to talk to you. So if some, the celebrity makes eye contact with you, what do you do? These starstruck people, oh, yes, he wants to talk to me. Yeah. You know, so they don't look at you. That's that why they just sense. don't make I eye don't contact. Know that. Like, leave me alone. Go away. That's their kind of thing. But he was a super, super nice guy. That voice, that that raspy yell when he yelled in the room, it was like whew, just grabbed you. Fuck, wow, yeah, cool. some Tony Montana vibe. Yeah. yeah, so it was a wild time out there, man. Again, just really growing as a person. Did you already know who he was at that point? Oh yeah, yeah. you were a Scarface fan oh, too. Yeah, huge, 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 huge oh, Al Pacino fan. Robert, you always tell Robert the truth De Niro. You lie, you know? <laughs> oh, I love these guys, man. They they were great. I'm a huge my fan. my generation kind of you know grew up watching these guys but yeah the whole experience of california and bc brought me out of a shell gave me confidence i was outgoing i was bubbly you know uh, when i came back family was like who the fuck is this guy man he's just completely different person 180 and then from there just started to really have this insatiable appetite for life i wanted to experience everything was that because it started off in california yeah, that's where it all developed and changed. There was this whole other side to life that happened going on the other side of fear, where the anxiety was, where the, the insecurities were, the self-doubt, all of that stuff. When I got on the other side of that. I got to see a whole new lens of Amazing. life. And it was so wild. you'd recommend people obviously to travel and go explore. Oh man, when explore. you're stuck in life, like any time over the years where someone's like, I'm just stuck, I don't know where to go, what to do, I'm this and that, fucking go travel, man. Go yeah. see the world, go meet people, go talk to people, as many as you can. Learn from as many as you can. I never had a mentor. I wanted one so bad. You know, you often hear stories of people, rich people, successful people, athletes, I'll say they had this one person in their life that was the, the guy that did it. I think like you, man. I never had it, though. You yeah. know, I, I tried. I tried many times. I, I got hurt many times, betrayed many times by latching on to someone that I believed in. And, uh, you know, my ex-wife will tell you during our marriage, she would see it. She'd see the heartbreak and the devastation and all of it. And then I realized, like, later on in life, like, I'm my own fucking mentor, man. I willed my way through all this shit. I grew through it. I chased it all. I chased all the opportunities on my own. You know, nobody 
guided me through it, all the heartaches, the the failures, the trials, tribulations. So it's almost long. like that thing, you know, people have people, but you're the you're the person that people have. Yeah. You so know now I mean? I've become guy. a mentor to others. I help others. I help guide others, which I absolutely love. I think it's important to do. I think, listen, no one ever does it alone. There was people in my life, like my mom and my sister later in life, my sister especially, um, that were emotional support. So I won't tell you I did it all by myself. I didn't. Along the way, you had little things here and there that clicked. But um, I believe that if you get somewhere in life, you've got an obligation and a duty to turn around and help others that are struggling to find their way through life. I agree with you. And if you can do that, you make the world a better place each time you do it, each time you help light a spark in somebody else. I've All I've wanted was to live a life that inspired others. That's it. I don't know what that means, what it looks like to everybody is different. That's all I wanted. I wanted to be able to tell a story that lit a fire under somebody else. And, you know, hopefully people that have grown up the way I did, that suffered the way I did, that think thoughts like, you know, I'll never amount to shit. Who am I? What do I have to offer anybody? Well, I had those thoughts too. And at this stage, I got a shit ton to offer people, you know? I, if you ask me, man, I think, I think that's pretty courageous for a lot of guys, let's be very honest, you know, the one thing, we don't kiss and tell, we just shut off, you know, yeah. we hide all our sins. Yep. Yeah, we don't bring anything to light. Like you're, you're flat out. Like as an example, you spoke about your father. A lot of us wouldn't have been able to do that. Whether yeah. you know we're saying the truth or we're telling a lie, a lot yeah. of us couldn't just be like, you know, this is what happened. It's so good. I want to change the the narrative. You know that strong men don't talk. Yeah, we do. You know, there's. Have you ever heard of a show called Rescue Me? You know, firefighters. They're all fucking drunks, pill poppers, and all that Bunch shit. Bunch of JD lovers, eh? You know, right? <laughs> but the thing is, this is what's considered tough. Is you don't talk about your problem. You don't talk about your fears. But there's a lot of men out there that struggle with alcohol, struggle with drugs. They're, they're you know, they abuse their spouses, their children, because I'm too fucking tough to talk about my pain. Yeah, That shit comes out. Yeah. There's no suppressing it. One way, shape, or form, that shit's going to come out. So it's up to you to control how it comes out. And so for me, my outlet a lot was sports and working out and fitness. And I thought I was doing the healing by all of the stuff I was out chasing, you know, running with the bulls, skydiving, bungee jumping, you know, Muay Thai comp competing, getting what in the ring. Fucking, he's Jason Bourne. Yeah, Mission Impossible. <laughs> Unbelievable. It was pure adventure I lived for. And I thought this was this was healing. I thought that's what it was. Like, I'm out there. I'm fixing myself. Man, I'm happy. I'm living life. I realized later when I, I, I slipped back into regression that I didn't. I didn't go deep enough. It was all, all the pain was still When in did it. you realize that you slipped back into regression? Like when did mid that happen? Mid-30s. Mid-30s. Uh, Where were you in life at that point when that happened to you? I took a job with a, a restoration company. Uh, it was, they were an award-winning restoration company. Been around 22 years and uh, took a GM role, got in there, you know, was at this point like a really good sales guy. I was very good with people. I'm not technical with construction, never have been, but I got by on just how I can communicate with people. Got into this company and I bought into the, the, the owner and his lifestyle. And he, he was like the great Gatsby, you know, lots of parties, a good time. And 
I fell into it. And, uh, but it stopped being a good time. It started to be coping mechanisms for the stress and the anger because he betrayed me. He was, you know, I was basically being used. Um, he was a textbook narcissist. And I, why did you pick I, up on those vibes? It, it took me the first year. It was the first year. Now this is going to sound fucking crazy because I was with him for eight years, but it was blind loyalty. I just kept following and following, but I was spiraling in stress, anxiety, resentment, anger. I was drinking, I was snorting, I was, you know, two, three days a week, up all night. Most people had no idea, all right, no idea. Yeah. I'd go to the office 10, 10 hours. No one had a clue I'd not slept the night before. No one mm. had a fucking idea. Taking clients out at night, nobody knew. Yeah, you're drinking with them, that's the industry, but nobody knew about the rest of it. And I'd realized during that period, like, I, I didn't do the work I thought I did. Like, how am I here? How is this happening to me again? How am I living like I did at 19 years old? I was devastated. Like, I felt so lost. Now I have a baby. I've got a wife. Like, and I just couldn't find a way out. And it just became a never-ending cycle of oh, beating myself up just beating myself up. There was so much self-loathing, despair. Um, and then issues, my body started falling apart. I one night had dinner, it was like eight o'clock at night and I had this very sharp pain in my stomach that felt like someone was sticking a sword through me. Jeez. And I was like, you know, sitting at the table with my wife at the time, I'm like, oh, something doesn't feel right, I don't feel good. She's like, okay, what's up? I go, I'm just gonna go to sleep. I thought maybe it was the, the meal. Tossed and turned all night, not gonna sleep with that kind of pain. And sun's coming up. She looks at me, she's like, you haven't slept. I'm like, no. She goes, well, what are you gonna do? I go, I gotta go to, go to work, I got a meeting, gotta go. I'm showering up, getting ready, getting the car and in the car, I'm like, just kind of like squeezing the pain and getting to a fender bender, you know? Cause I wasn't looking up. I was like, oh my no way. Uh, rammed into some someone and she got, it was very little damage. And she was cool with it. She's like, don't worry about it. It's like nothing. My bumper's already uh, scraped up. Oh, wow. She didn't try to take advantage. Of Not at else, all. Huh? And I'm sitting there like, yeah, okay, great. Thanks. You know, got in the car. She's like, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm okay. Get to the office, you know, bunch of hubbub. Get to a site meeting. It's like three in the afternoon. And it's it's pretty intense, man. Like I'm pale at this point. And we're at this site meeting. And the client and my boss, they look at me and go, Dude, go home. What are you doing? Go home. I'm like, yeah, I think I should go home. <laughs> Get in the car. And I reverse. I reversed into the boss's car. <laughs> oh, no. Fuck. Yeah. And they're looking. They're like, oh, I'm my sure God. Insurance hated you yeah. that day. Oh, man. <laughs> so anyways, it was just a little fender bender. You know, you're parked anyway, parallel. So I wasn't going that fast. Just tapped him. And he's just like, Jesus, go home. Dude, go home. I get home. It's like 4 o'clock laying on the couch. I'm going to try and take a nap to get rid of this thing that's been with me since, you know, eight o'clock the night before. My ex-wife's mom is a retired nurse. So wife comes in the room. She's like, call my mom, call her. Fuck, so, I should have asked that. It was, it was right here. I was going to be like, I guarantee you there was a nurse in the family. Yeah. 
So, I swear, because you look like the kind of guy you have to be on your on the death's much. door. <laughs> to be like, I'll go see a doctor. Yeah, pretty much, like it's gonna go away. That's what it's gonna go. Away. It's gonna go away. Yeah. Uh, so call her and Anne's like, Amir, what's going on? And I said, Well, Anne, this is what I'm feeling. And she goes, Oh my God, sweetheart, that's your pancreas. Go geez. to the hospital. I'm like, Whoa, okay. <laughs> so yeah. Go to the hospital. They immediately put me on morphine, um, and no one really made it all that serious so I, I didn't fully understand what was happening it came in it's all oh, you've got pancreatitis i'm like oh, what does that even mean well you know go home don't eat fatty foods and stay away from sodium for a couple of weeks eat light food fish things like that <laughs> it's like i don't know it must have been about five in the morning i'm still in the hospital and some eastern european doctor with the open coat ratty old sweater Love corduroy it. pants you know <laughs> typical eastern european guy comes in scruffy hair scruff looks at me goes stop drinking and he goes, knew he fucking yeah. he's like he knew. i he's see like, you guys yeah. all the time i'm yeah. smelling here. he knows <laughs> and i go i don't drink that much he goes stop drinking that was the only time I saw him. He turned around, left, never saw him again. Wow. Your accent's top-notch. <laughs> <laughs> so, he, uh, so, you know, I get picked up at about 8 in the morning and, you know, go home. A couple weeks go by. I'm like, ah, everything's back to normal. So what do I do? I Pick go up back, the JD. To the, back to the old shit, right? Mm. Fast forward 2019. You know, my ex-wife... You know, at the time, she she kept telling me, she's like, "You can't will your way through life. It's gonna get you. Like you you you've got to figure this shit out." And I'm like, "I'll be fine. Fuck it. I'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it." That was always my thing. Well, don't man, worry about that's it. a man's answer. Yeah, I'll don't worry about it. I got to figure yeah. it out. Well, it's a Saturday. It's about six o'clock. We uh, we're sitting on the couch getting ready to watch a movie, and there's that familiar pain. I could feel it creeping, and I'm like. Oh, oh, something's it's wrong. Back. Again. It's back. It's back. She sees me pacing the kitchen. She's like, what's going on? I said, uh, something's wrong. She's like, again? <laughs> like, she knew. It's been two years. What do you mean again? Right? And, I'm, and now it's back. my Siri. And my, my little one's sleeping. So she's, Kaya's in bed. Now I'm like, oh. Diana, I gotta go to the hospital. I gotta go. I, something. She's like, okay, let's. I go, no, no, we're not gonna wait the kid. I will drive myself. She's like, you are not driving yourself. Oh, you're a fucking tell her I'm Jason Bourne. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Shot in the face I, I will drive anything. myself. Don't worry about it. Just take care of the kid. Don't wake her. I get in the car. I'm dry heaving. The pain's so bad. I'm fucking. I'm going through red lights at this point. Fuck it. <laughs> like, do if a cop comes, he'll get me there faster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, get to the hospital park. I walk in. As soon as I walk in, I'm like, Bleh! just barfed. The pain was so fucking bad. That's nuts. It made you puke from just from pain. Pain. The wow. pain was just god awful. And I'm on a table, like just in the fetal position. They've got a uh, garbage next to me, and I'm dry heaving. The pain was so bad. Uh, I'm waiting now. Doctor's doing his rounds and they give me some pill to take to help with the pain. Nothing. I'm still, I'm like, fucking kill me. Just kill me. Doctor comes in finally. It's like 45 minutes. And he looks at me, he goes, anybody give you anything? I go, they gave me this pill. And he goes, ah, oh, fuck. And he calls out, get the morphine in here. Like, you know, a nurse comes in. He's like, what are you doing? Like, and he starts like lecturing her and she's like, well, you know, we we're waiting for you. He's like, get the guy on morphine, man. So, so all of a sudden I'm like, oh, 
us. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, that night they run me in to do uh, some scans and some tests and emergency surgery. My my appendix wow. was rupturing. It was mm. seeping. All right. And it was already seeping. It was seeping. You're yeah, lucky, it was completely man. gangrene. Fuck, you're my lucky. whole appendix was gangrene. Wow. They rushed me into surgery. I get out, obviously loopy and just a mess. And uh, usually, like you know, appendix being taken out is like standard stuff. Like you're in for 24 hours, they let you go. It's like a fucking root canal, you know. Pretty Probably much, it. but for me, it was more serious. Mm. So they didn't tell my wife what how bad it was they were being a little loose around it because they themselves didn't fully know what they were looking at but she knew like she knew something's wrong like what is wrong with my husband what's happening well we're gonna keep him for 48 hours she's like no you don't do that unless something's serious and they were just being really loosey-goosey with it right she comes in i'm you know sitting on the bed she brings in my daughter and puts the, my daughter onto the bed and the kid crawls up to me and she's laying with me and so she looks at me she goes so what now I'm like, I know, I know. She's like, what are you going to do? Because you can't keep living like this. I said, I'm done. It's all done. Like life, I'm leaving the company. I'm going to go my own route. Just let me get through this. She's like, okay, okay. So 48 hours, I'm running fevers. Like bad shit. For sure. Fucking bad. Like I can't control my body. It's so bad. For sure. They're throwing blankets on me like layers of it. Like I got 20 pounds of blankets on top of me, fresh out of a dryer. And I'm just like so bad. And they're giving me Tylenol to bring the fever down. And then of course, Tylenol wears off. Now, <laughs> every time I'm starting to feel the shakes, a nurse comes in with her, you know, fucking questions. You know, are you feeling this? Are you feeling that? Are you feeling this? And I didn't, it didn't click until finally two days in, the shivers were so bad uh, I just kept saying, something's fucking wrong. Something's wrong. Nurse is like, well, we'll just get the person to come in again. And she comes in with her clipboard and it clicked. Her questions were, are you hallucinating? Is your skin itchy? Are you sweating? I'm like, I'm not a fucking alcoholic. Something's wrong. And she goes, okay, okay, okay. I'm like, something's fucking wrong. I was wrong. even thinking like withdrawal symptoms. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, man. So they come in, they take me for a test, <laughs> lost a liter of blood. I was hemorrhaging inside. No oh way. Yeah. So the gangrene went up the artery and they didn't fully clip it where they needed to. So I was just pissing blood inside. So I lost about a liter of blood. And Jeez. They wow. rushed me in for another surgery. Um, and so it was you know, two days, two surgeries, pretty brutal stuff, blood transfusion, nuts, all man. that type of stuff. So it was about two weeks in, or so I was a week in hospital. They released me, I get home. I'm a mess, you know, just weak, very weak. And less than 24 hours, my stomach starts to hurt really bad again. And I'm now in the sink, like throwing up. Luckily, my cousin was there. So she took took care of the kid. I looked at my wife. I'm like, I can't drive myself. Like, you, you like you got to take me. She's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was my <laughs> She's pain. distraught at this point. She's like, fuck. Oh, yeah, she's this all this stuff. Apart. Well, she's, she's a mix of, you know, scared pissed at me like a whole mix yeah. of things because you know essentially i did this to myself right yeah. uh and so she takes me to the hospital uh my pancreas was like the apparent the way they described it, it was like the enzyme enzymes in your pancreas were so hyperactive that it cut the inside of my pancreas oh, that's crazy and so they had said to her 
we can't do another surgery. Like he won't make it. Like at this point. Wow. So they're saying that this is life threatening. It was life threatening. So they said the only thing we can do right now, get him on the morphine, put him on IV, no food, get that pancreas to quiet down. So I spent a week pretty much on IV. And got were you a sent- smoker at that time? Only when I drank. Not that that was my thing. Right. Fuck out every two seconds on that IV. I'd have been like, please. <laughs> They put no. me in the smoker section in the hospital, you know? No, it was only when I drank, I smoked. Outside of that, I, I didn't touch cigarettes. I could go on a vacation, smoke a pack a day, and I'd come home. I wouldn't touch them for months. And you're, do you're, you drink coffee? Uh, I do, yes. I oh, like coffee. Interesting. I love my coffee. Because <laughs> so, normally it's the coffee with the cigarettes. Well, yeah, mm. no, no. Um, and so that was it. Uh, that was where another big step and change in life was like, okay, I, I got to fix my shit. Like there's, there's, some, there's something deeply wrong here started my own business left the company uh what'd you start so i had a very big network in construction all right so it's easy for me to find work i was i decided i didn't want to go start my own company hire labor and all of that type of stuff so gc i'm not even that man all i do is broker deals now i've got clients that are builders architects engineers got deep relationships with them all. And as the work comes in, I just align the right trade for the job and I take a commission for it. That's it. That's just, awesome. I put guy and I love it. You know, I, I'm doing a part that I love, which is the building and cultivating relationships, you know, client management. A lot of my clients, we become friends. The trades I work with, we're all buddies. So it's pretty, pretty cool uh, circle of people. So that was the transition, you know, made my leap into that. Came with some hardships, obviously starting a business and COVID hit, you know, and the whole world went tits up, you know, my first year in business, like, oh, fuck, what do yeah. you do? You don't have that guaranteed paycheck, right? So just hustled. That was Construction it. was doing very well in, in COVID. Well, not, not uh, so I was in commercial restoration. Oh. So nobody wanted anybody on their buildings. People yeah. were now working from home. So when you're doing balcony jobs, nope, because people are working from home. They can't have somebody chipping concrete outside their their slider when they're trying to do a teams meeting or a zoom so so i had to scramble to find other taps in construction that i could turn on while this one was off and i did i branched out in a bunch of different areas and now i do everything from restoration new build construction um you know window replacement drywall roofing like you name it i got it right so how does that work do you have like regular residential clients and then basically yeah. Because you say you don't GC. Yeah. No, no. So I'll have a guy that, that strictly does balconies and parking garages, like a client. And they'll call me up and I'm like, yeah, you're going to use this guy. And they end up building a relationship and they're working together. And I just keep getting my commission. That's amazing. Time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's, it's Fuck, good, you cracked the code. I'm in construction, you know? Well, I'll tell you, man. Like, at first, people didn't get it. They're like, what do you mean broker? Like, why the fuck do I need a broker? You know? I'm like, it's... The business is relationships. That's all it comes down to. Build your relationships. You'll have endless work. And uh, that's what it was. I I found the unbeaten path, something different than what everybody else was doing. Rolled the dice, took the risks. It's a hard path to break through, but I did. Bust through a ceiling and workflows is endless. It's all over. I got projects up in London, up up in, uh, you know, all throughout the Kawarthas. Just I'm spread out all over the place. Do you have to do site visits everywhere? No, 
Nothing, huh? No you really cracked the code. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is going on? I hated I like site that. visits. Oh, I hated project yeah. management. Yeah. Now I deal with the owners of companies who are fucking great guys, man. Like, just they get it. You know, we all worked for guys that were the older generations that raped and pillaged, that didn't understand sharing the wealth. It was mine, me, 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 me. Yeah. And all these assholes are, you know, three times divorced, no relationship with their kids. They're alcoholics. Wasn't I just saying that to you earlier? Yeah. Yeah. That's what they all are, that's man. That's fucking nuts. You know, went to uh, a house with a guy who's got an elevator in it, you know, rich, rich, old contractor, just a miserable prick. And, you know, you leave my wife. I was like, I don't understand. Like, how is he so miserable? I'm like, it's how he made his money. He fucked people. Everybody, yeah. And now he's, you know, in his 60s. He's alone. His kids want nothing to do with him. So all of us coming up through the ranks just didn't want to do it that way. Just wanted different. These guys, they don't, you know, those guys built their era on hookers, blow, and and envelopes under the table. It's such a true fuck. That's them. My guys, everybody I deal with, they're all family men. They're home with their kids having dinners. Like they put the time in. They're doing stuff with their kids. They're not fucking 10 times divorced. So we found a different path. And one of the things I look for in people I work with and deal with is that that family dynamic. How are you with your kids? Yeah. So if you're good with your kids, it means you have a moral compass. If you're not, then you'll fuck me at any any chance That's a you goddamn get. fuck, man. Yeah, so sure. if you would do that to the people that you're supposed to love the most, then I don't want anything to do with you. So we've got a great nucleus of guys that they're just good people. I, I don't have contracts. Guys, like I tee people up. I don't have contracts. I could get fucked at any point. They don't. I'll get a call. Hey, Amir, just landed a job with so-and-so. I got a call. I got this, dude. Uh, Here's uh, your end. All right. Thanks, brother. We'll chat. Take care. That's it? That's it, man. Everyone's just really good. Like, listen, there's more to it. There's a lot of hand-holding and taking care of the relationships. A big thing for me is what I love most is building and cultivating relationships, man. It's important to me. Everybody is trying to do the same thing. Put food on the table, roof over your head, pay a mortgage in a world yeah. that becomes is becoming more and more complicated to do it. So don't be the guy that fucks with that. Don't be that guy. That's yeah. crazy because everybody's coming out of the woodworks now, especially in this industry, because it's so bad from from uh, real estate going yep. in to going to the shits. Yep. So a lot of guys I know, even I'm part of it, they don't want to pay. They don't. That's a... Yeah. You know, guys are going 90 days and it, it it's getting tough and tough yeah. out there, right? Yeah. So, but you got to find your good clients. Like I have clients that pay. They're, they're, they're good people. And if they can't, if there's a reason, they at least tell you, you know, no one leaves you twisting in the lurch. I have two responsibilities. One responsibility is to make sure that my client is getting value for his money. And the other responsibility is to make sure the contractor is getting value for his, his time. Somewhere in the middle is a happy medium, and I have to vet both. I don't just randomly stick any guy on a job because this person puts food on my table. So I got to be very careful who I align with That's people. Right. I also have to understand personalities, yeah. who I know would work together, who wouldn't work together. So listen, does it mean that there's been no glitches, no hiccups, no hangups? Of course there's been. Of course there's been some shit show stuff. I don't promise anybody perfection. There's not a single client that will come in front of you and say, Amir told me there would never be a mistake. There'd never be an issue. It's fucking construction. Construction is bullshit. Yeah. All right. Like, shit full, happens all the time. Full disclosure. I don't like construction. Yeah. You know, I don't. It's fucking headaches. It's stress. It's worry. It's 
high dollars, high value, high, high, you know, lot, a lot to lose. Some of them have some crazy expectations though. They do. Some people, you know, this whole race to the bottom, I want the lowest bid. I want the lowest bid, yeah. but they never have the lowest expectations. I right? know. They got to cut a corner somewhere at that they point. They do. So I, one thing I always say, like, don't come to me if you're looking for bottom, bottom dollar. Like my guys, they're not the cheapest. They're not the most expensive. They fall in the middle, but they're good, man. Like they, they'll devote themselves to you. If they make a mistake, if something happens, they'll own it. They're accountable. They've all bought into the 20-year relationship. I want 20 years out of you. How do I get 20 years out of you? I don't fuck with you. Yeah. Just do right, be right, live right, act right. That's it. That's it. It's yeah. not It's not complicated. Our The business is not complicated. People complicated. That's all such right? a great statement. If you go into it with honorable intentions... You will navigate through it. You will find your way. I fucking it. love this guy. Yeah, I love that was too, the man. theme of the podcast. It was be honorable. That's it. Like Amazing. be a character person. Again, I don't promise you perfection, but I promise you if something happens, I will be there. I will answer the call. Yeah. Even if you're calling me to rip me a new one, I'm going to answer the call. You're not going to hear about it. Well, you know, because of this guy, because of that, and the wind was blowing and no. Okay. I got you. I'll take care of it. That's it. My people, when they call me, man, an engineer will call me. It's rare, but when they do, because something's gone wrong, hey, Amir, uh, I need you to look after this. Yeah, I got you. No problem. I'll take done. care of it. That's it. And it's done. Consider it done. I'll call the guy. Hey, yo, we got to look after this. Can you can you eat this? Can you, you know, eat that? Yeah, don't worry about it, buddy. I got it. I'll take care of it. You know, at the end of the day, if we can make everybody who's working together in this dynamic look good to the client in the end, then guess what happens? The next job comes your way. That's and right. the next job. You work in harmony, man. 100%. A lot of people yeah. nowadays, I feel like they're, what they're trying to practice is they're trying to always one-up you. Yep. Yeah. Like, yep. Listen, if you keep moving around shady, at some point it's going to catch up to you. This industry is big, but it is very small. small. Okay? I agree. And you have to look at it this way. When you're looking at construction, you're thinking as a whole construction. It's fucking huge. Okay? When you're dealing in dollars, there's certain players in every bracket of yeah. dollars that are the, a small group of players. So mm -hmm. when you're dealing with restoration guys that do $15 million a year in business, there's only a small group of players that do $15 million a year That's in right. business. Okay, when you're dealing with a guy that does 50, 100, 200, it's a small group of guys. So it's not that big. So you got to be careful yeah. what you do and how you approach everything. It is not that big, man. Shit gets around fast. Yeah. Right. So... You know, I, I've developed a, a pretty cool thing, again, going back to taking the risks and, you know, doing the unbeaten path. There's one thing somebody said to me a long time ago who was probably one of the best salesmen I've come across. I don't know if you guys know Entourage, the show. Yeah, of, yeah, of course. He's Great fucking show. Ari Gold. Ari Gold. Uh, he's like Ari Gold. That's a cool. character. Who the fuck doesn't know Ari Gold? <laughs> so man. he's like an Ari Gold except with more heart. Okay. All right. And the thing he taught me, there's... I was learning sales uh, through him. He's not, he was in commercial audio. So he did, you know, casinos and, you know, hockey arenas, sound systems, all that type of stuff. So he was an independent that represented like the, the Tanoys, the Biamps of the world, like all these major manufacturers that yeah. supplied all this stuff. He, I went into a meeting with him once, it was a boardroom table. He does a presentation, brings in food. And the guy's like, you know, Brian, yeah, really good stuff, buddy. I just, I don't, you know, not right now. He's like, yeah, no problem, man. High fives, handshakes, everybody. We leave the room. We leave. We go outside. He turns to me and goes, that's a no today. 
you know? And then a few days later, he just had this knack for it. A few days later, he calls me. Hey, remember that no the other day? He goes, yeah, I just fucking closed that PO. <laughs> he was really good at shit like this. He was very smart, very witty, very fast. But he said something to me that always stuck. And it's how I approach everything in life. He said, listen, man, the world is fucking saturated. All right. And it's only getting more and more saturated. There's a hundred of, of the same thing in every direction. And everybody out there trying to chase that same nugget. What there's no two of is you. You. So Facts. sell you. Well, that's what you it is. You build everything based on you. And whatever you're selling, they will take. And that's it. That's my approach, man. Everybody I deal with, I put the time and the effort into the relationship because I give a shit. I'm not fake. I will never be fake. If I don't want to deal with you, I won't deal with you. 100%. Okay? Yeah. Um, I'm fortunate enough now that I've gotten to a place where I don't have to. I don't have to chase people I don't want to be with. If your character doesn't align, I don't want to deal with you. And this industry has no shortage of assholes. Yeah. You know, people that are very short-sighted, that'll crush you just to get a dollar. Um, And this is where it becomes more complicated because every time you fuck someone, you now have to find a new person to fuck. And a new person. And a new person. And a new person. You're going to fucking run out of runway, buddy. Yeah. That's why you have guys that have companies that have changed names like 10 fucking times. Yeah. Why? Because you keep fucking people. Man. Yeah. That that's a red red flag for me. Yeah. Multiple times you change. It's your crazy how you know what? Either at some point, I, I know some of these guys actually. I just got taken by a dude that was actually a friend from 2007. Okay. Wow. And he just robbed me for a hundred grand. You know. Wow. The crazy part is, oh, yeah. is after when you start hearing the stories. Because you wouldn't think that, you know what, you wouldn't do that to me. I got a pass. So, you know, in the end of the day, I would be like, there's no way you would try to do that with me yeah. if you already knew what I was. So the crazy part is he still did it anyways. And then I find out, wow, he took it from this guy. He took it from this guy. He took it from this guy. Yep. And then I'm having a conversation with one of them. He's like, oh, he screwed my brother-in-law for 160. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you don't know there's money on this guy's head, eh? Yeah. I'm like, where did he run off to? He's like, nobody knows. Yeah. And I, I'm like, wow. At yeah. some point, it's not even you just run out of rope. There's people not really out there after your life. Yeah. Well, you know, people, some of them were so distraught. They went into alcohol. Yeah. They lost their lives. They lost their families because they're like, I don't even know how to pick myself back up anymore. That's the thing that you just, crazy. I'll never understand. I'm a father. I have yeah. a kid. I put yeah. food on the table for my child. Like I could never, ever imagine a scenario where I, I would do this to another father who has yeah. to come home to his family and say, we have to sell the house. We, I, 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 I have no money. I have to close the business. I've, whatever. I can't what do baffles it. me though for a lot of these guys is how you can shake someone's hand, yeah, look them dead in the eye with yeah. a smile and be like, "I'm gonna fuck you later yeah. on." You just have no clue. I'm you, doing ju- it. you just don't know what's coming. A lot yeah. of them just don't even see. That's the thing about antagonists. Most of them think they're protagonists, and yeah. they have a. They have something in their head that can justify what they're That's doing. That's what it is. Yeah. And they're just, they're, they pretend like they're the victim. Yep. It's like a psycholo- psychological thing that they have. It's an issue. It's, it's a, a disgusting, narcissistic yeah. character. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, That's like, what it is. They don't, not all of them necessarily think they're going to do it to you. Right. But a, more often than not, a lot of people, like if you're drowning, will push your head under to keep theirs above. That yeah. is just a lot of people out there. And there's very rare group of people that will try to save you when they're sinking you yeah. know um well, i'm the kind of guy that would uh, that saves them when they're sinking that yeah, is me same. i've listen you talk to my fiance she'll tell you how many dollars i'm out of pocket over the last couple of years of helping people that yeah. you know didn't deserve the help but i did it yeah you know um 
I'm still going through that too. Like I watched my dad and my dad's gone through a lot of, he's the oldest brother of like a family of, I think 13 people. Yeah. And every year, like actually today, my aunts came over and they're like, oh, we need you to help us with something. And you know, when there's like, when the family, when the parents pass away and they have to give up what they have. Inheritance. Inheritance, sorry, yeah. And they, they didn't get my dad involved in it. My dad had no idea. And then eventually we found out it was all distributed without him knowing. And I have this thing in my head that I'm still trying to get through right now and understand why is he not fight back? Why is he not say anything? Why is he not tell him like, hey, where's my share? Where's my thing? He told me like that stuff is a gift and you don't you can't ask for it. Yeah. It's given to you. And throughout his whole life, he's always been the guy that's always been taken advantage of. Yeah. And I, I get this resentment inside. It's like, I don't want anyone to do that to me. You know, but then eventually I noticed that my dad, we go home, everybody's at peace. We're all happy together. People on the outside do that to, to you just to like, to teach you something. It's yeah. all a lesson, it you know? Yeah. So all these guys that try to mess with us and destroy us, it's like either you become like them and you get miserable like them, or you just take it and you learn and keep that peace in the house. And what do they say? Big thing. You get bitter or better. Yeah. Right. Right. Bitter it's, or better, it's one or the sure. other. And the valuable lesson I learned in the last uh, couple of years of people that really did a number on me, you know, financially took a shit ton of money from me. I was helping some guy, fucking I'm out, you know, over 30,000 helping him. And it was another guy, at least a truck to, to help him out. That was a fucking shit show. It's nuts, huh? You know, it's just, but the lesson was boundaries, dude. Mm. You can't run and help everybody. It's Lots like running fun. into a burning building with no fucking plan. Yeah. You got to have a plan. A firefighter doesn't run into a building without a fucking plan on how he's going to get out. Right. Yeah. So um, lessons were learned. Like I, I've learned in my whole, this whole spiritual journey and, and shadow healing, whatever you want to call it, that the things that reoccur in your life are lessons you're not getting. And you have to break that cycle that's finally. And that's what happened for yeah. me was... I was getting fucked by people because I kept extending myself and helping. And the lesson was stop, man. Like I'm an empath, dude. I absorb a lot. All right. I want to help. I, I, the moment you tell me you're in trouble, everything inside me says like, what can I do? What can I do, man? Mm -hmm. How can I help take that pain? What the fuck? Why do I need to take it on? <laughs> you know, you can help a person without sinking yourself. And that was the thing I needed to learn yeah. was do not tie yourself to someone who's got a cinder block around his ankle out in the lake figure out, you know, how to cut it without tying yourself to it and sinking down. I agree with you, man. I'm very big now on, because I've, I've went through the lessons of, of what you're talking about, because one of the biggest things for me is the price of progress is pain. Yes. Right? For you to be able to do that, you got to go through it, right? So one of the biggest things for me is like if you need help and um, let's say construction, I do roofing, siding, and insulation. I don't do, let's say you're a drywaller and you do some other shit. Instead of me giving you money, I'll help you find clients. You know what I mean? It's called cross-pollination. Exactly, man. That's, only, that's how I'll do <laughs> that's it. That's what we do. We yeah. call it the trough. Everyone's responsible for feeding the trough. Everybody. Yeah. So I can find anyone to do a job. But no, when I bring you in, what are you bringing to everybody else? Okay. And this is not from the lens of you got to feed us and take care of us. It's from the lens of everyone's contributing. Everyone's helping That's each other. That's how you last. So yeah. I got guys that do window replacements on, you know, buildings, commercial windows. They don't do balcony. They don't do concrete. So when they tell me, oh, I'm here, like this building, I'm doing the windows. They needed a balcony guy. Oh, good. I'm going to go to this guy. You're going to give it to him because what does this guy do? 
When he's doing balconies, he said, oh, yeah, they're doing a window replacement job. He comes back and goes, hey, here you go, buddy. Let's go. And that's what we all do. Uh, I'm with you. We all throw stuff into the middle. The network got bigger and bigger and bigger because everybody that bought into this all helps each other. And it's great. And there's no uh, overguarding. It's if I get introduced to somebody that can help me, they're like, yeah, yeah, go have dinner. Go do your thing. Go build your relationship. But they know... No one forgets where the relationship came back. It's in perpetuity. You yeah. you could have, you could own, let's say, 200 buildings, and you introduce me to him. And I meet you, and we hit it off, and all of a sudden we're fucking best friends, and now you're the best man at my wedding, and my <laughs> kid's born, you become the godfather to my kid. It's still your relationship. Our friendship is one thing, but business is different. That's still your relationship. So it doesn't matter how tight you and I become. You don't forget where it came from, all right? That's the integrity. That's the character. That's yeah. the dynamic of what we have built as a group. Is nobody forgets where it came from. I fucking yeah. love it, man. He's spe- It's everything that he's saying is come. It's it's the same language I speak. Yeah, man. and I this is it. I've said it repeatedly. Like you know, I don't know. Ten years ago, she's still like one of my best clients and like a close friend. She's a wonderful woman. She told me you're too honest for this business. Like, you know. You got to toughen up a little bit. I'm like, nah, if I can't do it this way, then I'm, I'll find something else to do. Yeah. I got fucked a few times. Sure. But I, I love it. It's only growing more and more and things are just aligning better and better. Why? Because the guys who, you know, for, I'll give you a perfect example. I met a guy who's been doing it 20 years. We sat down and went over all of his projects, everything he's got. And one of the burning questions in my head was, you've been doing this 20 years. Why the fuck do you want me? You've got relationships, you've got drywallers and window guys and roofers and what do you want with me? And I couldn't, it was just it was constantly on my mind. Like, why me? Why me? Not that I believe there's something wrong with me or I didn't deserve it, but it's relationships. And it, it finally, I said, just, hey man, why me? I got a question I'm for you. I'm fucking tired of assholes. I'm tired of assholes. I'm tired of, you know, there's been a succession plan that's been a fail where the dad who built the business on hard work and character and all of that shit passed it to his son. His son's a fucking degenerate. Mm. He's doing fucking blow all the time, getting wasted. I can't get a hold of him. When I call the dad, ah, I gave him the business. What do you want from me? So, you know, now there's new opportunity and it's, yeah, you know what? You're a good guy. I can see it in you. You're a good guy. Mm. So, okay. I agree with you, man. I yep. agree with you because I feel like it's a, just a cycle of life and it just continues with all these majority of them. Yep. So when they see something refreshing and they see something legit and honest and legitimate That's and it, genuine. Yep. And then, of course, they're going to... I got a question because we're, we're running yep. out of time. But when you were talking earlier and you were talking about you like to help people, yeah. is there any coaching that you do? Or is it just strictly your construction guy? If you meet people, so you just... Uh, I wouldn't say there's coaching that I do. Like, I'm, I'm now working... Uh, with with him here on possibly building out like a podcast and a, and a path to telling my life story. All right. Just going from your soul's rag to riches, being a lost, scared, young, abused little boy to a grown, successful man. He was a great father, a productive member of society that's, you know, run with the bulls and done a whole bunch of shit in life. Right. I want to tell the story. I, don't, oh, I like the story. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I love oh, we, the story. We've barely scratched yeah, we've the barely surface, scratched. man. Like, <laughs> we haven't even touched like the 
the the healing pure healing journey the ayahuasca that i did in peru all fuck me because i want i hear about this stuff all the time you got to do a part two i I would love to do you have to come back and do a part two as far as you know where i want to go outside like construction will always be a part of my life i love the people i work with we we have a great time together and uh that will always remain a part of what i do but i want to get into you know telling my story write a book on my life and hopefully connect with people that are maybe lost and looking to get inspired. Like that's, I was asked once, like at the end of the day, what does it all mean? Where do you want your life to go? You know, when your day comes, what do you want to look back and say, that's it and I did it. So for me, it is, it's a joke, but in the joke is truth. I want when my time comes to have a packed funeral home when i'm gone fuck me man everything you say is resonating the same way i was thinking about (laughs) i want it packed with people crying and not because i owed the money you know i want it packed because i made an impact amir my name amir kendik left some sort of imprint in their soul and in their path to growing and becoming something different in their lives how do i do it i don't know i'm trying through my own way to live by example that, you know, comes with some sort of, of um, clout when I tell it, yeah. you know, because, oh, fuck. Well, yeah, you are living a life. You are doing the right things. My business, K-E-K, stands for Kaya Elizabeth Kendick, my daughter. I want to leave something Behind. for her that yeah. matters. So when she's in that funeral home and she's looking around and there's a fucking lineup of people that want to come in and say their goodbyes, that is a life well lived. We'll me. figure it out together, man, because that was yeah. one of the burning questions I had in the back <laughs> of my mind, I swear to God. Yeah. And that's the truth. And I have an interesting story, and I actually started the podcast at some point, and it was almost on the same path that you were talking about, right? And that's why I started the monarchy movement. Yeah. You know, because the whole story always begins with you, and it's going to end with you anyways, right? It is. It is. And it's got to be a good one, man. It has to be. You got to come back on. We got to talk about you. Yeah, right? for sure. For sure. I'd, I'd love to. I'll give me that to. squint eye. You got to come back and have that <laughs> conversation. I definitely would you love gotta to. You got to cut man. off yeah. that Final Fantasy and give me two hours of your time. <laughs> okay? Of course. I'd, I'd love, love to, man. Listen, There's a lot man. To honestly, about. you you definitely got to come back for a round two. I got to get you back on. For you sure. Know, I got to go and take care of the wife with you the little do, kid right man. now. Congratulations. <laughs> I appreciate what a, what a congrats. beautiful, beautiful Same blessing. name as him, eh? Really? Musa? Yeah, Musa. That's Musa. amazing, yeah, man. Yeah. Congrats. It was a crazy story. I was talking about spirituality and religion. Yeah. I'm very big into the religion. I actually yeah. find a lot of my pain coping mechanisms is because of my faith in the Lord, you know? Right. But yeah. it was crazy. When my wife told me she was pregnant, I was going through that situation where I just got robbed 100 grand. And last year, I lost wow. 500 you know what i mean yeah, so i'm pra- i was teetering on bankruptcy at this point 600 yeah, cold hard cash yeah, yeah. and i started making prayers for two things please give me enough money to feed my parents because i'm like if i'm on the streets i'm fine yeah my dad's 70 years old yeah. right no i'm not gonna watch him work yeah fuck right. that yeah. yeah and two give me a son so my brother has a brother and then give me a daughter if you want yeah, yeah. and then out of nowhere i had a dream that who showed up in my dream was Musa, the prophet wow. Moses. I was going to name my son originally Hamza. Wow. Yeah. So then Moses shows up in my dream. The interpretation of the dream yeah. is you're going to have a son and you're going to fall into some whatever situations where you're going to get back up on your feet. Both came true. Yeah. So when the gender reveal came, 
And then like, what do you think? It's a boy or a girl? I'm like, fuck that. For I believe sure, in the boy. Lord. Yeah. It's a boy. <laughs> and then as soon as it went blue, yeah. the story was true. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So, wow. Good for you, man. I appreciate it, man. Good for you. Honestly, yeah, it's I mean, amazing. You're, this is an amazing, amazing thing when you get to bring new life into this world. There's, yeah, there's man, no I'll greater gift. There's no better honor uh, than being a father. I'm a very emotional father, by the way. That's well, good. Uh, app. When it comes I, to my I'm daughter, like you, man. dude, I, I hear Tim McGraw's kid about his little girl and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> she starts funny. I'll be driving my car. I'm like, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Listen, guys, we're going to get you guys back on. Yes, please. All right. It was a pleasure having you guys yes, here. If you. you guys like what you saw today, please like, share, and subscribe so we can always have good fellow kings like you guys here today. Awesome. Thank my you, pleasure, man. brother. Thank you so you much. Too, man. Awesome.